Jesus preaches about is blessed for you to be happy. So do you think God wants you to be happy as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? He does want you to be happy. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last thing that's mentioned in the Old Testament is to be cursed or to be torn down. And the first thing is Jesus opens his mouth here in Matthew chapter 5, the opposite of cursed. Blessed. Blessed. Happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Of, he- of heaven. Happy are the no ones, the no ones who see their spiritual condition, that they are poor. There's nothing that they can bring to God. Spiritually poor. It's the opposite of what we think. But it helps us to be right with God and to know that we are right with God, which makes us happy. Poor in spirit is we cannot depend upon our own power that we are beggars, that we are reliant on God's power and his power alone and the works of of Christ, the works on the cross. There's nothing that we can bring to God. I see a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 5. It's a guy by the name of Naaman, N-A-A-M-A-N. And to set up this story, I want to give you a little bit of history. So King David comes into power. He unites the 12 tribes of Israel. Later comes his son Solomon, the, the wisest person to ever live, and he had a prophet called Elijah. Elijah prophesied at the time of Solomon, he said, because of the idolatry that's going on in Israel, the kingdom is going to be divided. And sure enough, the kingdom was divided after Solomon. Along comes Elijah. Not that that's confusing at all. The one who followed Elijah was Elijah. And along comes Elijah. The kingdom was split into two, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. To the north of Israel is modern-day Syria, the same name that it was, and the boundaries, the borders are almost identical to when they were in that time. Amanda and I, when we were at Israel, we went up to uh, Caesarea Philippi, and we got to see the border. You don't want to try to cross that border. There's censors and fences and, and all that stuff. They take the border very seriously there. But we got to see the border going into Syria. At that time, during those kingdoms, during the reign and during the time of um, the prophet, um, there was a general or a commander of the Syrian army, and his name was Naaman. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army. But the, but the Syrians were an enemy of Israel. But we see here in the story, just as a summary, is that Naaman humbled himself enough to seek the Lord's help. He became poor in spirit. 2 Kings chapter 5, the heading is Naaman healed of leprosy. Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. He was a mighty man of valor. But he was a leper. 
Now the Syrian on one of the raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And what this little girl said was she said if, to Naaman's wife, she said if Naaman would just go to the prophet, he would be healed. They got word of this. Naaman got word. And so Naaman, down in verse 9, he came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah, Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. So what I want you to do is to picture this scene. The commander of the Syrian army, army who was a brave man, who was a really well-known man. And because of his stature, God gave him victories in battle. So he comes with horses and chariots and his full garb and every and his entourage around him, and they show up at the door of Elijah. And they're knocking on the door, and they say, Naaman is here to be healed. And what happens It says, Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Do you think Naaman was happy about that? Here this general is with all of his military garb and his entourage on a chariot. He pulls up to this humble prophet Elijah and Elijah doesn't even come and see him. He sends a messenger And the messenger says, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times and you will be healed. Naaman's like, are you kidding me? There's a lot better rivers where I come from in Syria. Like, why would I wash myself in the little muddy? That's what the nickname is when you are in Israel. The Jordan River is small, a lot smaller than I imagined it being, and it's very muddy, a little muddy. You want me to go down a little muddy and wash myself seven times? Are you kidding me? There's better rivers where I'm from. So he was really upset about this. He felt disrespected by this. We see in verse 14 later, he said he went down. And we're going to talk about what happened, why he changed his mind in a minute. But verse 14 says, he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was cleaned. So I want to circle back about leprosy. And you may know what leprosy is, but for those that don't know what it was, leprosy was really talked about a lot in the Bible because it represents our sin and the destruction that sin has on all of us. And there at that time was no cure for leprosy. So it's a a good representation of sin, no cure, destruction, as a physical representation of that. A lot of people with leprosy would live by themselves or live in a commune. They had to shout unclean. They had to tear their clothes and look dirty, and everywhere they went, they had to shout unclean. It was a disease that you did not want. It started off with a little red uh, spot, and it began to spread. Your skin began to come, become scaly and glossy, start to affect your eyes. Fingers would fall off eventually, and eventually you would die. You had to stay six feet away from anyone, or if the wind was blowing, you had to stay a lot farther away. There was no cure. Your voice would get raspy. Anyone could detect you had leprosy from hearing your voice, smelling you, or seeing you. 
or hearing you call out, unclean, unclean. You see, Naaman in our walk with God is very similar. Naaman was a proud person, finally realized that something was wrong with him that he could not cure. There was nothing that he could do outside of a miracle from God. Same way with you and I and our sin. Someone had told him about their faith. A little girl says, if you will just go and see Elijah, he'll take care of it. They shared their faith. He had to humble himself. He had to take off all of his armor. He had to strip down to nothing. He had to put aside all of the worldly things that he did, all of his accomplishments. Humble himself to dip himself into a muddy little river. It's kind of like what God tells us to do. It's to humble ourselves. Even if we don't understand and even if we don't like it, it takes faith. Jesus said, blessed, happy are those who are poor in spirit. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have money or possessions. Naaman had, he brought with him tons of money, gold coins, everything to give to Elijah. Even though Elijah didn't take his money, didn't want his money. Side note was one of Elijah's um, uh, disciples or followers found out that he didn't take any money. He chases Naaman down and, con- and convinces him to give him some money. It's kind of a funny part of the story if you want to read it later. But our stories are a lot like Naaman. It doesn't mean that we don't have money or possessions. It means we are poor in spirit. And we can do nothing outside of Christ. So this is the stature, this is the mindset of Naaman, that he became poor in spirit. Is God and his word correct? That we become happy and joyful. So I wanted to look at that in relation to Naaman. We don't know exactly what all happened, but what I see in the Bible is that he was happy. His attitude changed. He declared that the God of Israel was the one true God. And he even talked... um, to the prophet about what do I do when I go back because the king is going to take me into a pagan temple and I'm going to have to be there with him and I don't want to do that anymore. And he told him, go go in peace. Go in peace. So I saw his, his mind change and who he was and his attitude. He was much more happy. You see, this pride thing... The sin of pride, the root, right, of all pride, it's a tricky thing. When, when I became a, a pastor, church planter, uh, it's going on, it's like five and a half years ago that we moved up here. Um, I didn't think I had that much pride left. Man, was I wrong. How I had to just depend upon God. And he put me in situations where I just totally, 100% had to depend upon him. And the pride that he had to boil up to the top, right, and filter out. But pride is a tricky thing. We see that all the way back with Adam and Eve. They had it all. Adam, 
I mean, he had a good life. He had a great wife, lived in the garden, perfect, perfect relationship with, with God. He didn't have a mother-in-law. Let me think about that for a minute. My mother-in-law's listening to this. I have a really great mother-in-law, so. Brendan, you might want to cut that section out, but help a, help a brother out. He didn't have a mother-in-law. It's a pretty good life, I guess. And then pride crept in, right? Here's this apple. You can become like God. Pride. It's a hard one. Crept in just with Naaman, with you and me. Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. It's not what I've done. It can never be what I've done. Never be enough. It's only what Christ has done. So for the application for today, if you're happy and you know it, say, Naaman. Naaman. Not amen. Say yes. Now you know where I'm going, right? Naaman. If you're happy and you know it, say, Naaman. The other principle that I see in the story is the little girl. She said, you know, if Naaman would only go find the prophet, he would be healed. Now, that made me wonder, yes, it's God for sure that healed Naaman. But it made me wonder if the faith of this little girl is what healed Naaman. I don't know that to be true. We don't, we don't scream where the Bible is silent. But it made me stop and pause and wonder. Because you see those that are with Christ and he, and he healed either their child or their servant or healed them. And he said, go, your faith has healed you. That the one thing that marveled God the most was faith. And I wonder if the faith of this little girl said, oh, if you just go see the prophet, it's fine. He'll heal you. No problem. It's that faith of a child. I am faithful that God is at work here at True Life Community Church. I'm faithful that God's going to do things. I'm faithful that we're going to reach this community. And if you know me, if you've ever heard me cast vision, I, I one day would love to see God build a community center here in this area that we can serve our community through the whole entire week to develop a model that's sustainable for a community, neighborhood, church. That's the vision that I see God has put upon True Life, our church here. We don't have the money for that. But we do have but we do need the faith of this child to say, God, you're the God that spoke and leapt the universe into existence. That, that we need the faith of this child to see God at work. So if you would, just continue to just ask God for that and be faithful that God in his way, and his timing, and however he's going to do it, he's going to help us as True Life Community Church reach this community for the gospel of Jesus. Because we want everyone to be happy. We don't want people chasing dreams that are never going to make them happy in the end. Recently, we did a sermon series on prayer, and, and now we're focused on the gospel of Jesus and, and Jesus' teachings. And my, my prayer, my hope was that that would energize us and, re, and get us going to put our faith in Jesus and, and pray to God in big prayers and to pray in faith that God's going to move. 
So I wanted to ask, has, has these past sermon series changed your mind on what God is calling you to do or what God's calling this church to do? And if nothing that comes to mind, I, I would pray that you would just seek the Lord. We're going to be taking communion in a little bit. Um, I'm going to read through that and, and just ask the Lord, like, God, what? what what's the desires that you, that you have on my heart or want to put on my heart? God, give us the faith to know that you're going to help us to reach our community. Because it's possible that our pursuit of happiness and those that are around us won't work in the end. I've seen it personally with my dad. Worked his whole life. Gave it all he had. Never missed a day of work. With this vision of what retirement was going to be like. And he was so disappointed, I believe. Just wasn't what it was meant to be. So I ask, are we ready to try God's way instead of what this world tells us? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those are the ones that are truly happy. If I asked you to do something amazing in God's sight, to be saved. And what I mean by that is if I said, you know what, to be saved, to go to heaven, to be right with God, you've got to do something amazing. Like you've got to get on a plane, go to Africa, and slay a lion, you know, with a bow and arrow or something. I mean, the guys might be like, oh, that's pretty, that's kind of cool. Maybe I could do that. Like one time thing, over, done, I'm good with God, I'm, I'm righteous with God, and everything is, is great. But when the Bible says that you've got to humble yourself and, and you've got to go before God and put your faith and trust in what Jesus did, totally, totally different than what our mindset is. Naaman was the same way. When he left the prophet, he was upset he said, this guy, he wouldn't even meet me. His messenger come out. I was walking away, upset. He told me to go wash myself in this little muddy river instead of going back home and washing in a nice river. And you know what his, ser- his servant told him as they were walking away, leaving? He said, if the prophet would have told you to do something mighty, something glorious, Something that you get the credit. He said, you would have done it, right? He goes, yeah, I would have. He said, well, all he's asking you to do is to go wash yourself in a river. I mean, come on. Got to get past your pride a little bit here. And Naaman was like, yeah, you're, you're right. And he went down to the river, took off all of his clothes, humbled himself, dipped himself seven times, didn't make sense, but I'm going to put my faith and trust in what that prophet said. And it worked. Skin was healed. He was washed clean. Same thing with you and I. And it may not make sense that that Jesus says, all you got to do is put your faith and trust in me. But we have to humble ourselves. And do that. Get past our pride. 
We have to be like the little girl who just has faith. We have to be, have faith like a child, just like this little girl. Just say, yeah, I believe that. Faith is a gift from God. <clears throat> to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. To confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord may not make sense. But God is looking for faith and he is looking for obedience. I heard a pastor this week say that holiness, H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S, should really be spelled W-H-O-L-E. Wholeness, holy, fully following Christ. It's holiness. Doesn't mean we will be without sin. Doesn't mean we will be perfect. It means that we are holy in following Christ. And this is where you find your true happiness. Poor in spirit, following Christ. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, to set your pride aside and all the works that you have done and turn to God and say, all right, I'm, I, don't be, I don't know that this makes sense, but I'm just going to put my faith, I'm going to trust in your word. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. All you got to do is call out to God and confess, hey, Lord, I, I am a sinner. My pride gets in the way. I want, to, I want to be pure in heart. I want to be totally dependent upon you. I want to put my faith. I want to have faith like that child to believe that I am made right with God through the works that you did. Because you're the only one that could ever live according to God's standard. Maybe you're here today and you've never been baptized. After making that decision, I want to encourage you to talk to me or talk to Doug to be baptized. baptized baptism does not save you. It's just an outwardly confession of something that God has done on the inside. I would encourage you to take that next step of obedience. So I'm going to take a few moments and pray and then uh, talk about communion just for a little bit. Dearly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, we, uh, we love you. Thank you for those that are here that were like Naaman, who proud. But Lord, that you took the veil off of our eyes, that you softened our hearts. And Lord, you helped us to see clearly that there is nothing we can do apart from Christ to be right with you. Lord, help, thankful that you helped us to put our faith and trust in Jesus alone. And Lord, we, we struggle with that at times. So Lord, help us to have the faith like that little child we come to you like the Father who says, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Lord, grow our faith. Let us have a friend like Naaman's friend who says, hey, why are you so proud and boastful? Like all he's asking you to do is go wash yourself. Lord, help us to be that for someone else. Help us to point others to Christ. 
Lord, help us because we can't do it on our own. Help us to be poor in spirit. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to be poor in spirit to know that we cannot have the kingdom of God. We can't go to heaven. We can't have Christ. We can't do anything outside of being poor in spirit to know there's nothing we can bring to you. We are poor. We are beggars. And Lord, we need you. We have leprosy and there is no cure outside of our faith in Christ. That is it. Sin is a killer. It separates us from God, from you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cure. Thank you for that he paid the price for our sins. And it's all about him and what he did, not about us, as we are poor. Lord, thank you for this truth. Thank you for opening our eyes to this truth and not hiding it from us. Help us to live it. Help us to leave here happy, happy because it's not dependent upon me it's dependent upon you how freeing is that to live free is to be happy we are free from our sins and our iniquities we are right with you there's nothing that anyone in this world can do to separate us from your love that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will. Lord, thank you for this truth and all God's people said. Amen.